Welcome to episode one of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men animated recap podcast. And this is our first episode of... Ah, I'm dying. <laughs> it's starting off great. Our first episode of X-Men Evolution. That was... That was completely not intentional, and now it's awkward. I'm JC. This is my first time ever watching X-Men Evolution. And I'm Rod. This is also my first time watching X-Men Evolution. And since we're doing this remotely, I'm drinking again. But I'm trying to do it slower, so I put it in. I'm going to try to do a straw. <laughs> drinking with a straw gets you drunk quicker, Rod. Oh, well, this is going to be a fun episode then. Because uh... you, inha- you, you <laughs> inhale more oxygen as you sip with a straw, which actually gets you drunk quicker. Ha! That's great. All right. That coupled with I don't have any sentimental ties to this show. It's going to be great. Anyway, Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single X-Men animated episode we can find along with some bonus episodes. Our first series started with the original 1992 X-Men animated series building up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus later this year. Or rumor has it later but since it's not here yet we needed to find some other shows to cover yeah by the time that this goes live hopefully that rumor will be either confirmed or dispelled but there is a chance that it's not coming out until 2024 right now at least that's what something on instagram and twitter told us so some quick reminders we're a recap show about a series that started over 20 years ago there will be spoilers if you don't want to spoil for you pause the podcast watch the episode come back normally we would say we'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything from future episodes Rod and I have not watched this basically ever, so that would be near impossible for us to do that at this point. We are currently not sponsored or affiliated with Marvel, Marvel Animation, Disney, or Disney Plus in any way. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops, IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. If you want to support the show, we have affiliate links in all uploads too. We'll make sure to include links specifically for X-Men Evolution now that we've jumped to that series. Now I would normally say onto the show, but let's, let's just give quick thoughts going into this rod like aside from seeing the different character designs did you have any preconceived notions about x-men evolution not at all except i had seen like a lot of images of rogue from the series yeah but without context so like i know that you'd mentioned before there were some memes or something but i don't think i even saw those or if i did i didn't understand what they were yeah we're we're not at those episodes yet but there are two shots that have made it like into like meme territory where the girls from the series are recreating shots from Buffy and the craft. And that's literally all I know. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And then I was in a Avengers versus X-Men video a couple years ago. And the girl who played our rogue did the X-Men evolution version of rogue. So gotcha. yeah, aside from that, I didn't know that much. It maybe just that it was very high school focused as opposed to, the institute being the focus of it yeah i think it was either you or one of our guests or maybe both of you guys that had mentioned like this was all the x-men in high school or most of the x-men in high school and so i guess i I went in with that a little bit of that like expectation like okay we're gonna see like the younger versions of all these especially you know digging a little bit this version of cyclops is very much what you guys described as the the slim yeah i think that that insight came from our friend kit who's possibly going to appear on a future episode very cool. Today, we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 1, titled Strategy X. It aired on November 4th of 2000 and currently sits at a 7.1 star rating on IMDb. Is that, I'm trying to think, is that low or high? Or it is lower than X-Men, the animated series, but for, for cartoons on IMDb, it's still a positive number, I would say. Was this, as far as like mainstream goes, was this like a well-loved series or was this like something people like loved after the fact as like a cult following? 
You know, I have a hard time answering that because this came out when I was a senior in high school. And, <laughs> and I feel like the culture at the time was was not welcoming to comic books and comic book fandom and stuff like that. So I think it literally was just if people were watching it, they weren't talking about it at the time. And then I didn't really get back into comics and stuff until 2005. So this was already done, I believe, at that point or or at its very, very tail then. So, yeah, because I feel like and this this I might be like making this up from like piece together memories and a little bit of stuff that's happening now. I feel like that it was so recent to the the original animated series finishing, you know, because it, it was what, like maybe four, four or five four years, years. before that, yep. that. It was like not enough time to miss it. And, and especially the way it kind of like, as far as the network goes, like petered out from the original series and then with like the weird release schedule and stuff and then bring it back. It wasn't like a big triumphant return. Cause I don't remember there being a big hoopla about this because I think I just heard about evolution gradually over time. You know, in like little bits and pieces and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. It, it, and same thing. I, I was finishing up high school and then going into college, and then like, you know, college through my first like four or five years out of college was like a blur. <laughs> just right. trying to get my shit together. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think there's also something to be said of like this was when a series would come out, there'd be a couple years off, and then another series would come out. It really was after Wolverine and the X Men, which came after this one, that there's been a decade break for. Yeah. For X-Men cartoons, it would just be a pause rather than like a full hiatus kind of scenario. Yeah, yeah. Things start off. And one thing that stands out about this show is it has a cold open format as opposed to, you know, X-Men, the animated series, which would at most have a previously on, but always would go into the iconic song. Mm -hmm. So starts out with BHS, which we find out is Bayville High School. And we see a bunch of cheerleaders who are cheering for a touchdown. We see the quarterback who runs it in and then you know the first x-men we see is gene who gets really really close to take photos of this this touchdown i, I was gonna say because like my note here is gene is horny for a quarterback named duncan yep and and then you know immediately after she literally was, says it's for her personal collection yeah so i was like okay <laughs> which i guess if you want to think innocently of that which i know is not my usual mo. no it is not your mo but, at all but if you do want because since these are high school students if you want to think more innocently about it it might just be like i'm going to put it up on my locker kind of thing or something i don't know because yeah, yeah i don't know. I, but, I think that's probably what the intention was because the yeah. people <laughs> writing this were not writing it for you know pervs in their late 30s and early 40s <laughs> yeah. so but i with that image or that little scene of scott kind of getting jealous of seeing that stuff I was like, oh, so they're just setting up this alternate like version of the series that we know are the the characters that we know where Gene is with some other dude or whatever. But it, it doesn't really ever go anywhere after that. At least, it, you know, like. So I mean, I think that this is literally to lay the groundwork of them not yet being together. Okay. Whereas if we look at X Men the animated series, they were together throughout that series yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were like the, they had already gone through the the new relationship the puppy love and and they're still high school kids so yeah for them they you know we don't know the exact time frame but as the two first members of xavier's institute they've only been there at what most a year or two years maybe three oh. if you're stretching it like they're they are literally still kids at this point yeah i keep forgetting that because really the only adults that we see so far besides xavier are like what storm and wolverine or something yeah but yeah as as that happens we see scott is doing the quarter trick which i don't know if that has a name 
but I am forever perpetually impressed by people who can do that in real life. Oh, the quarters like just flipping through the knuckles. Yeah, it's so funny because I have like, I mean, both of us probably have similar friends that are like either sleight of hand or magicians or both or something like that. And they're like, it's easy. You just do this. And there's something that sounds like a four year old could do it. But I just never I don't have the coordination. <laughs> right. Or it's like that other thing of like you have the pen in your hand and you just do the flip and it just goes around your thumb. Yeah. And it, I, I just throw pens across the room. It does not actually <laughs> do what it's supposed to. So. The touchdown is scored as they're coming off the field. One of the players tells the quarterback that they see Talinsky is at it again. I don't know that reference. <laughs> okay. So the important part is oh, Talinsky oh, Toad. That's right. is yeah, Toad. Yeah. That is not traditionally Toad's name, though. Okay. I, yeah, I didn't. I, like, they mentioned a lot of last names in this show so far. Yep. And so, I didn't recognize most of them. So in the comics... His name is Mortimer Toynbee. So they just completely changed his name for this show. It's funny because they, they they picked a good set of introductions. You know, Scott and Gene, like we just we're used to them. Toad, he just he has like that high school kid energy. You know, we all knew that like weird kid. Oh, he was definitely the weird kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whether or not he had the mutant powers, he was the weird kid. Yeah. Well, that's what was another thing that was funny. It was like I didn't realize till like halfway through the episode. I was like, oh, they're not even really sure he's a mutant. He's just weird and gross. <laughs> right. You you would think that, like, Scott or Gene would have a better, like, mutant radar, like, just by being in the school and being familiar with mutants. Like, he, he could have been spotted. You know? Yeah, yeah. Especially Gene. Yeah. Well, we're, and we're going to get in the next episode somebody who blends in a lot more. But, like, I feel like kind of like the conversation we are having with Max Nosesleeves, it's not quite like a skin versus a fur scenario <laughs> like it yeah. is with beast but it's like i don't know his 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 skin is not a normal natural color i feel like yeah, and then whenever he opened his mouth it was always like green hued like his tongue was green and stuff so right the quarterback duncan and the other player spy toad picking a pocket and he does it right behind a cop too so he's like <laughs> very much the high school i don't give a fuck kind of kid and then the football players ask the coach if they can take a break i I mean, I, I didn't. I only played football for a very short time in high school, and played I played it way played, longer than I did then. Right. It, well, it, but I also didn't play like for like any team that mattered. Like it was never varsity or anything like that. But I don't know if you could just leave in the middle of a game, especially if you're like a quarterback. Like that's that also like a really wild. I mean, this is a TV show, but it was a really wild like kind of suspension of disbelief. You know, like that many players going at once. Yeah. I could see being the problem. But you also saw the coach looked up and they were just decimating the other team. Yeah. They would have had to like have seven turnovers in a row that resulted in touchdowns or something for that to yeah. to have mattered, I, I guess, was the coach's perspective. He's like, yeah, you're murdering him. I don't care. Yeah, that's why I saw him look back at the scoreboard. But I, I think it's maybe, maybe it was just my school. Like, you know, the coaches especially were always like, you could tell that they were the guys that didn't quite make it in high school or something or to get past <laughs> high school. So they were like living through their kids or coaching. And so it was more about team spirit. Like, you got to be there when we win or something. Or I don't know, maybe he's just over it. <laughs> right. Cyclops is still doing his coin trick, but he fumbles with it, drops it. And he says, oh, my money or oh, my cash or something like yeah. that. I was, I was like, at most, that's a dollar coin, dude. It's okay. Yeah, right. But also, I don't... I, it's another one of the things, like, you could tell, like, some adults wrote this for kids, because, like, I don't know any, like, teenager who would just say that. Oh, my money. It's fair. <laughs> but as that happens, he sees Toad's arm going through and, and grabbing somebody's wallet. Underneath the bleachers, you have the quarterback, who we find out his name is Duncan, and he just basically, like, pulls Toad down, 
and then we get his name and he calls him Toady for the first time. So if somebody wasn't sure who he was, it was pretty obvious at that point. Yeah. So Scott steps in, sees the three football players are holding Toad up and says, look, we just put all the money back and nobody has to to get her. We find out as the episode develops a little bit later that this had nothing to do with Scott knowing that he's a mutant or anything. It was literally just, oh, there's something weird going on. I'm investigating it because mm-hmm. he his buddy who he's with that we don't we don't get a name for. I had no idea who that character was on the bleachers with Scott is like, should we call the cops? And Scott's like, no, I'll just look into it. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe I took it as like maybe it was part of that early like investigation of the, you know, strange people in high school or something i mean totally could be that but at the least i didn't see it as scott wasn't defending him because he knew he was a mutant you know yeah yeah and i was actually surprised that he was defending him not that i expected him to like kill him or anything but i think it's it's just so hardwired for me the villains and the heroes in the series i'm like oh he sees toad pickpocketing he's gonna go like you know punch his throat but i was he was like defending him from the the football players i was like oh this is interesting yeah right we're in a whole new universe yeah you got to remember scott yelling is not an across the board thing of all versions of scott there are some that are calmer our x-men 92 version of scott is very much (laughs) yelling scott yeah so and also because this is the younger one right too that you guys had said it wasn't quite you know barrel chested and aggressive all the time yeah he was he was more relaxed he was he was calmer he was definitely intimidated in a lot of cases too like he was not ready to to fight everybody at that point like he would he would do the right thing but he wasn't you know an aggressive wolverine type character Yeah, yeah, yeah duncan asks him why he cares and scott says you know i don't really love this whole three on one scenario which is fair Yeah, I agree with that. And Duncan kind of ignores it, keeps going, tells Scott to not worry about it, gives the sunglasses at night joke, which I feel like over the years, that joke is going to become just less and less relevant unless somebody does a remake or cover of that song to to bring it back into the zeitgeist. There was some TV show that vaguely mentioned it, and I can't remember what it was. I don't think it was Stranger Things. Was it X-Men Evolution? Yeah, (laughs) No, there was something recently where there was like a, an asshole character and it took place in the 80s and they, they played like sunglasses at night. and They're like, I like this person. Was it was it? Karate? You know, I think it might have been the, the Karate Cobra, Kid? Kai, Cobra Kai show. I add that to the things that I have not yeah. watched that Joe Russo will get pissed about. It, I think I, I, I do think it was that because Johnny Lawrence was like, yeah, but sunglasses at night. And I don't know. It, it, yeah. So it, it, it still didn't really do what like the Kate Bush song did. Stuff. Right. Yeah, of you're course. right. Like the sunglasses at night thing. I think like for anybody that wasn't that's not old enough to know that reference, we'll just think like, oh yeah, it's weird that he's wearing sunglasses and you know when it's dark out. It's like yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Duncan tosses Toad, and then Scott gets up in Duncan's face and throws him into the other two football players, and Toad hops off like a frog. Scott has the worst mutant radar ever. Yeah. They did a great job animating Toad. I, I, I will give them that. Actually, from a, animate, from a, the motion perspective of it, it's yeah, so like, fluid. He looked like a frog. Like, yeah. like you tell, it almost looks like they traced over an actual frog. And but also like the whole show. This is like, not Disney animation, sir. They don't just trace stuff, right? right. But the whole show is like pretty well animated. It kind of reminded me of like an era of Scooby Doo. Like the good ones, you know. Of all shows to point out having great animation, Scooby-Doo would not have been the one I would go to. Yeah, I wish I knew the, uh, you know, I wish I was like our friend Scott that knew the eras better. There is an era in my head that was like animated kind of similar to this. just like the face shapes and stuff. 
it is because I know it's like a wide range. There's like everything Scooby Doo, but oh, it's like, I think it's the one that's like what's new Scooby Doo or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, where it's like slightly more angular and not as realistic body yeah. builds and stuff. Yeah, I didn't watch those. <laughs> Scott, hopefully you're listening to this and you can tell Rod and I were wrong. Right. So two of the players chase down Toad and they leave Duncan with Scott. And this whole time, I'm like, who is a mutant that's name is Duncan? Like, that's where my comic book brain starts to kick in, right. where I'm trying to figure out who he is. And he's not anybody. That's the that's the funny thing. It's like, it, you know, it's, it's not like MCU shows where so many people are name drops and stuff like that. We actually get a fair amount of characters in these first two episodes that we're recording tonight that are literally just characters for this show. Yeah. Not mutants. They are just <laughs> humans that are named humans, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Gene pops up, sees the fight breaking out, calls out to Scott. And of course, that's when Scott gets distracted. Duncan lets loose on Scott and the glasses come off and the optic blast just goes. That was pretty wild because how far it reached and also that it didn't kill anybody through the bleachers. <laughs> oh, it definitely killed people. Let's, <laughs> let's be real. People are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Body count on this show is much higher than episode one of X-Men 92. But yeah, shoots out throughout the entire underneath of the bleachers, throws Duncan, and then also hits the propane tank at the hot dog stand and just sets the whole thing up. I, in my head, I kind of want to believe that he was so worried about the propane tank that he was looking at it when he blasted it, you know, by accident. <laughs> it's kind of like when you skid out on ice for the first time when you're younger and driving. You're like, oh, no, the side of the road. Then you end up in the side of the road on the ditch. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because, like, that was a really good aim because it hit that propane tank dead center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if he was not focused on it, he wouldn't have hit it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where we cut to the intro. Yo, this intro. Th- this song was, I might use this as an example of peak Y2K hype music, you know? Right. Like, I feel like drinking an energy drink and, and you know, skateboarding and stuff like it had like the the orchestra hits and the guitar and stuff, but it's still it's different than the animated the original animated series. Ninety two, like, yeah, yeah, ninety two. It's like less rock, but it's still rock. But it has like these sampled electronic elements to it and stuff, so it's like futuristic, which fits the evolution theme. Which on the plus side, you could co-post that to your stuff and ours on TikTok, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that stood out for me is it's not that it's a bad song by any means. But I can absolutely understand why, by comparison to 92, it is never brought up in the discussion. Yeah, yeah. I, I, even now, I can't remember like the yeah. melody or anything. The, and uh, in the second episode, I hit skip intro. Like, I was, <laughs> I was already past it. I'm like, yep, I listened to it once. I do like that they give like a full rundown of characters in kind of that very typical like 90s, 2000 fashion where there are characters that are shown that are not in the episode, and then as we find out going into it chronologically, have not even been introduced yet. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I wasn't familiar with Spike, but I'm guessing we're going to meet meet him at some point. Yeah. And I, I did appreciate yeah, the introduction of the characters. It was hilarious to see, like, the like the font choice. like the Not, not even font. It was, like, the letter styling, you know? Right. Because it's not even bad it's just very much of its time because it's like metallic and everything and i could see that like if this was a show you loved at that time that whole aesthetic is probably very nostalgic now because it's so specific because there's stuff that we loved about the 92 series it's like it's it's not technically good it's just very what it is and we had you know it was during a key part of our lives and stuff so i was like i kind of love this 
but not in the way where I like lived it myself. I can just like recognize that this is like a really fond memory if this was a lived experience for you, you know? <laughs> yeah, we aren't looking at it and saying, oh, that doesn't work. It just doesn't have the same resonance because it wasn't our first yeah, yeah. one. It's kind of like how, like, you know, our age group, so many people have the fondest memories of the NES and, and the Genesis and Super Nintendo. And then, you know, we start to have conversations and somebody is like, oh, yeah, my first system I ever played, not ever bought, but played is a Nintendo 64. And it's like, oh, my God, you oh my missed God. some yeah. of the best stuff. Meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, the N64 was the first system I bought with my own money. So oh, yeah. that differentiation is so dramatic. I'm, I'm glad they did the intro like the way they did, because it's like I said, it's is very of the is well this came out in 2000 right like so it yeah this that, this that, was end of tracks. 2000 so that tracks <laughs> right back into the episode xavier pulls up and i'm not a car guy you know i'm not a car guy yeah. was that basically like a golden rolls royce like i wasn't quite sure i don't know cars very well yeah but there's a lot of things where i'm like how rich is xavier there's a I lot mean, of stuff in all these shows one <laughs> mansion yeah two danger room yeah. Three, this car. The only, the only difference between this one and the previous Xavier from 92 is he doesn't have a like a hover chair. Yeah, which was an interesting choice because I I kind of didn't really think like notice it too much until next episode we're going to yeah. cover. It actually like becomes a thing. And I was like, what an interesting choice for a show called Evolution to be like kind of I, I guess it's if they're younger then it's not forward in time. I don't know. I, it's just like thinking out loud. It was yeah. just interesting because we yeah, were so used to seeing like Xavier with the hover chair. But got to remember too, there was an era of the comics in the 90s where he was in the hover chair, but he has gone from the classic wheelchair to the hover chair, back to wheelchair, etc. in the comics. So mm -hmm. it could have just been what lined up at the time. That and I also was wondering because our epiphany at the for graduation day in X Men ninety two about like the public not knowing he's a mutant. I was like, okay, I I'm just gonna assume right now that he's keeping that cover in this show as well until they tell us otherwise. Because maybe that's the thing. It's like, just don't. I guess other than the gold, the gold Rolls Royce, don't stand out. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's Westchester, New York, man. Right. That's just to be rich, I'm I'm a rich white guy. Yeah. <laughs> You go over, you see Jean is using her telepathy to move a bunch of, like, the burning boards, picks up Scott's sunglasses, and Scott is kind of, like, beetle position in the in the corner. I don't think we've seen trauma Scott before. Yeah. yeah like, aside, aside from the flashbacks to when he was still in his orphanage in 92, this is a new thing for us to see Scott as the animated viewership, you know? Yeah. I, I, I took this as possibly the first time like a situation has happened with him and his blast publicly or at so, the very least one that was this dramatic and potentially dangerous yeah because like in the 92 series they showed him like as a very small kid in an orphanage as, and so i kind of took this as like their their version of that in high school you know where like it caused a big scene but luckily like not too many people saw it no oh, or maybe it was the big scene that was the first time he screwed up like because yeah, yeah, yeah. i could see you know, Xavier, it, it's still established that Gene and Scott are the first two students of the academy. Mm. But maybe this is the first time since he joined that he had such a big mistake, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we see Duncan on the field. Did you notice 
His helmet was cracked. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. Even the way, maybe I was reading into this, the way that they were pulling it off, I was like, is it stuck? Like, I, I, I thought maybe, like, something was broken on him. And then also, to your point about him, like, is he, like, a mutant? Are we going to discover something crazy about him right now? Nope, just concussed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah concussed. And, like, he said he can't remember anything, and now I'm not quite sure if that was, like, natural or, like, one of the other, like, <laughs> mutants' doings. <laughs> so that goes right into the next part of the scene where a cop is, like, kind of putting two and two together and we get a very different version of xavier because yeah. xavier point blank messes with this dude's mind the cop which is why i actually don't think duncan i think it was legit a concussion, concussion yeah because if we're gonna see xavier mess with a cop's mind they wouldn't have had a problem showing xavier messing with duncan's mind too yeah 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 that's my theory, at least. Yeah, totally. And, and the, yeah, and the cop thing, that was so funny. He's like, yeah, well, you know, whatever. It's, it's so funny, like, how... Oh, yeah, it was it was just a leaky tank, and I just heard Hank Hill getting pissed off in the background. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Propane accessories. No impressions. I'm not, I'm not going to even oh, yeah, attempt no. it. <laughs> I also, so I think in the... I, th I think it was the scene, too. The actual series music kind of sounds like... I, I forgot the guy's name already. I read it in the credits, but... It sounded like he was trying to replicate a lot of Ron's stuff for the 92 series. It was like very similar, you know, like the... Then it, sh it shifted from that Y2K intro to like that kind of like rocky, uh, you know, bed under... Right. With a little bit rocky. of like those tension builds and stuff like yeah. that. Right. But yeah, then we get Jean who decides she's going to go check on Duncan as Scott is like looking on and being sad. <laughs> Like, he gets a little bit of a taste of what Wolverine got in 92. Oh, that's kind of funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah. No. This one's called Duncan is waiting for me or something. We're not, <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> but yeah, Toad goes up and, and thanks him. And there's kind of like this awkward moment where Scott doesn't want to really associate with him, even though he was kind of doing the right thing. And it kind of gives you that, like, I'll do the right thing, but I still want to be cool kind of vibe from Scott. Yeah. But also and, that situation yeah. kind of broke his cool, you know, by being getting his ass handed to him by some jocks. <laughs> to be fair, that was Gene's fault. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he 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 threw that dude down and was ready to go three on one, and it was only because Gene said his name that he turned away. So yeah, and and this was with Toad after Scott leaves. Yeah, Toad like you know he catches that fly or whatever. Right. And so a another cool like animation moment they'd made it very like you know frog like or whatever but this was for i, I would I say toad like the, but yes oh, yeah there what i wonder what the technical limitations were for the animation because you know like the lee walls had talked about what happened in 92 and we obviously saw all that stuff this one i would actually say was like pretty pristine all the way up until this point and it even wasn't that bad it just suddenly got blurry so i'm just like i was wondering if there was some technical thing where they had like zoom in or the studio that they used you know like physically like just punch the camera in you know that they use, use on the animation self or that it's was like, just the design choice because they wanted to emphasize it too yeah yeah it just it just looked strange because like the the foreground was like a little bit blurry but it wasn't even that bad like there was by this point in the 92 series there was like 20 of those so it was like not even that it was just like interesting it was like oh man i just kind of curious now like you know if these guys like would do a production book or something that explain like these little you know curiosities of like what happened during animation Un unfortunately in my searches thus far there is not a previously on the making of x-men <laughs> evolution yet right so they can get on that but right. no that does not exist for me to to reference <laughs> so you see storm is actually the one driving xavier and they mentioned that they have a train to catch did you have any predictions as to who it was going to be 
only because the thumbnail for the episode spoiled it. Oh, okay. Fair. <laughs> and I figure, like, well, it's probably going to be him. Well, I figure it's either going to be him or Kitty Pride because they mm-hmm. tend to use Kitty as, like, the like introduction character. Yeah. Yeah, having no preconceived notions, I was actually expecting it to be Kitty getting dropped yeah. off by her parents. That was what I was expecting. Which is foreshadowing for the next episode if you if you want to see Kitty. <laughs> spoiler, Rod. Spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> also, I, I the, like... the names of the episode give you no indication as to who the fucking characters are. I just want to point that out. Yeah, and like this one kind of maybe made sense strategy x or whatever because we're setting up the first episode the next yeah episode i don't get it all but we'll talk about that when that happens yeah the and and i'm trying my my best to go into these with with no preconceived notions aside from what you know i can't get away from writing down the names of the episodes in our planning doc and and you know seeing who where a guest might be a good fit for us on these but i'm like i have no idea what that name even means strategy x yeah I did like though that there's some like some random white kid like walked off the train and and Storm is like is that Kurt <laughs> and, and, and Xavier's like no you'll know <laughs> but also it was like a random white kid and if if she knew his name is Kurt Wagner like I could have seen that kid being a German kid <laughs> no that's what I mean like she she's like Kurt yeah Kurt Wagner like yeah he's he's blonde haired and I think blue eyed is stuff like that. <laughs> That tracks. It's the, but I also loved that it. it was like the first. He's, kid ger- got off the he's train. literally German youth. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the first kid that got off the train. I was like, oh, this is going to be a long sequence of Storm just guessing wrong white kids getting off the train. <laughs> then there's something far more ominous. That yeah. I I'm, I kind of want to see what the interaction in the train was. I want to see the entire trip. Yeah, like he he got across water, dude. Yeah, <laughs> in in like a druid hood. Yeah, it it was like. A more hardcore version of the monk outfit from the 92 series. Yeah, like this, it was everything was covered and super dark and ominous and shit. This one made actually made sense from like a, if you're I know realistic is like a weird term to use for these animated shows. But, you know, like we always joked about in the 92 series, like just put a hat and trench coat on. No one would be able to tell you're blue. And this one or Harry. They, yeah, or Harry. And this one, the way they dress was like, well, there we are not seeing an inch of your like your person. Yeah, so, I just want to like. Well, actually, I mean, I'm sure you still had a show ID to get on a plane and stuff like that. But like, I mean, it was it was pre 9-11 era. So like, yeah, <laughs> you could do the romantic <laughs> run up to the gate. You know? <laughs> yeah, you could you could still run up to the gate and just be like, oh, yeah, he feels sick. Yeah. <laughs> so we see we see Kurt, but still fully covered jumps over to what I refer to is cowboy Wolverine on the bike. I was not ready for that voice, dude. And here's the thing. I will not give shit to any voice actors. They have some of the hardest jobs, especially when it's to follow up with somebody who is such an iconic voice. We've talked about, you know, Pride of the X-Men. I we, we will be doing that as a special bonus episode. But this dude went from a historically infamous Wolverine voice yeah. to the iconic Wolverine voice, which is how I still hear that character when I read the comics every week to, I guess... Just not even generic, but just there, you know. I, yeah, I it, like yeah. Same as you. Like it was not at all me- means bad. It was just the yeah. The other voice is so hardwired in my brain. It's almost as if like you saw Kermit the Frog and just heard a completely different voice come out of it. You know, it's that Something. first time. You know what it is? It's that first time that you see Bugs Bunny after the original voice actor had to retire, and it was mm-hmm. still a voice. 
still fits the image that is in front of me, but it is not the same, and that's where it throws that. throws you off, you know? I did appreciate that whoever did the voice, or maybe this is the direction that they got, wasn't trying to impersonate yes. the previous voice, So, because that would have been more off-putting, kind of like the, the last few episodes of Gambit in the 92 series. We're like, ooh, what is that? Off- <laughs> offensive Gambit? Yeah. <laughs> It was just it was it was strange, but I appreciated like it, they did it like the animation like, very cinematically, you know, just like showing his jacket in his hand and yeah, walking in and stuff. Do do people still say? Because I remember this from the '90s and I guess early 2000s of like if you're looking at a magazine or newspaper too long, the clerk being like, "Hey, you gonna buy that?" Or because like I remember that all the time in real life, and I don't know if that's still a thing, you know. Dude, I am trying to think. Aside from being at a comic book shop, which if you're there picking up comics, you're most likely buying something. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time I've seen somebody pick up a magazine in public. Oh. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, I guess I, I run by Barnes & Noble every so often. And I see people out there, but... those I feel like I, Barnes & Noble does not give a shit. They're they're just like, go okay, buy yeah. coffee at Starbucks. We don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. They, their whole idea is like, the longer you're in there, you're gonna, the more of something you're going to buy. Regardless. Yeah, but I would say that's the mag- accurate. The magazine racks are, tend to be more specialized. Like, I... I, there are obviously still like the Rolling Stones and all the normal magazines and stuff, but I know I've noticed recently that it's a lot more. I think I saw something of like the Marvels explained. It's a fifteen dollar issue of just like going through. Like, but that's the, like Entertainment Weekly who publishes those. Yeah, but they're like one off things. Oh yeah, yeah. No, like, I yeah. I have the Marvel Universe explained from Entertainment Weekly like around the time of Endgame. So yeah, yeah. But, but I don't. I don't. It's far less or maybe none of like what you're talking about with this month's you know whatever yeah. Entertainment Weekly or whatever. But he sees the newspaper, sees that there was an explosion, which I did love because that kind of gave me a little bit of that, the magazine that published about the Guthrie explosion happening. (laughs) Was that big enough news for this dude who is obviously not in Westchester? Like, is, is one explosion at a football game getting national news, especially if we don't have confirmed fatalities from it? This is kind of dark, but... Do it. Do it. I think it's, I think it's kind of true. (laughs) This was in an era where school tragedies and i'm not even say the other word yeah it are far were so rare that i think there was a chance it would end up on some sort of like if if not national like at least a very large regional news thing you know fair so like but now like fast forward to now over memorial day weekend i think there were eight mass shootings and the headline didn't even give them their own headlines it just said eight or the and tallied up all of the casualties and like, injuries and stuff, and I was like, "That's where we are now, where it's so like normalized, right? That it's basically not news. I think we're like we're a couple clicks away from just like not reporting it at all. It's just expected, you know. So like with the explosion at a football field, looking at it through like you know late '90s glasses or something, <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. that might have made news because it's so bizarre, you know, that something yeah. like that would happen." And if you're also taking in context of the rest of the episode, it seems like the X-Men are not a known quantity yet. Yeah, either. Yeah. Because this is obviously, it is an internet world, but this is like AOL internet world. This yeah. is maybe one kid in the neighborhood has high speed at this point kind of scenario. We'll put this into perspective. I went to college in, in the fall of 2001. The college I went to was Greenville University, and we were the first all-campus Wi-Fi in the nation. Wow. It, was a, it was a small campus, and that's how we were able to do that. But 2001 is the first time that happened. So, like, the always-on internet thing, like, wasn't even, like, 
really it wasn't actually happening to probably after i graduated because i'm gonna yeah. guess if our school was the first then it probably didn't spread until a few years after that i mean and so <laughs> i i could tell you point blank my college did not have wi-fi my freshman year anywhere on campus not just oh, wow not just in certain parts like yeah. there was no reason to have a laptop if you had a desktop because you plugged it into your ethernet cable in your room and that was it and that's actually one of the reasons why we had campus-wide Wi-Fi. It's not even that it was like they were trying to be tech-savvy or whatever. It was such an old campus because I think they were celebrating like their 100th year or something at that point. So rewiring the buildings would have just de- demolished they, the infrastructure? Well, they said that they did the estimates and it was like going to save them like half the cost or whatever to just get Wi-Fi routers installed yep. instead of rerun cables. Then we also we were probably some of the first students that carried laptops everywhere. They, they issued us ThinkPads. That's how old we were, IBM ThinkPads. And I remember we carried those things around like cell phones. Every When I went home for the holidays, all my friends in Indiana were like, it's so weird. Like, where are you carrying the laptop around? And I was like, I just got used to it on campus. We carried around like cell phones. I remember specifically. You're like, it's my security blanket. Kind of. I This might be TMI, but I remember specifically like going to the restroom in the guys' dorms and just propping your laptop on top of the urinal while you're taking a piss because you didn't want to like log off your AOL instant messenger. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting to see what the end of that sentence was and you did not yeah. disappoint. <laughs> so Wolverine also asked the, the clerk for a bottle of water and then the most nonchalant ever... Also, gets water out of a glass bottle. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just, with his claws, slices through, chugs it, and then tells the dude to recycle. You know, as much as we said, like, it was a little uneasy hearing his voice, I like this cool Wolverine. Like, yes. He seems less less of an asshole and more of, like, just, a, like, a cool uncle. <laughs> yeah. As, as you said, cool Wolverine, cool uncle is what came to mind for me for him. So I totally agree with you on that. And as he's leaving, we see he's being watched from the mountains nearby. And we see a very different version of Sabretooth than what we are used to. Oh, yeah. And my note here is like, of course, Sabretooth is watching. It's an introduction to Wolverine. I mean, you it's can't have hard. one without the other. Let's be I real. Know, but it's just that intro. Though. This is They're not even like waiting an episode. So... You know, we talked about the Wolverine being, you know, pretty similar. He just has, like, the, the cowboy look to him. What do you think of alternate Sabretooth? There was a lot to take in. He was a lot more ornate than the one I'm used to. Actually, I can't even remember all of the design. But he, he was also very much more, like, slender. I have to keep in mind that everybody's younger. But there wasn't, like, a whole lot happening. So I, I guess I'm going to have to wait for more stuff. I know we get a little bit more of him, you know, in coming episodes and stuff. But, like, yeah. I still don't feel like, even with the other episode we watched today, I don't feel like I get, like, a good grasp of, like how he is just yet Fair. but he was just like there was a lot going on i think this is my first impression <laughs> right a lot of flowing elements and stuff there was almost in the same way that like the late 90s was everybody was in pouches like on their outfit this felt a little bit kind of like somebody went to a hot topic what items could be hanging off of somebody's outfit and that that's kind of like what got attached to Sabretooth. that's the flowy thing then yeah yeah and hot topic is a pretty good blanket statement for most of the kids in this show i guess aside from scott scott yeah scott was definitely an abercrombie kid and <laughs> and gene i would say the two of them yeah they were yeah, yeah, yeah. they were abercrombie american eagle so yeah, yeah. jump over to the mansion. Scott is rushing Gene to get ready. You get the impression that it's the next morning. So yeah, that, right. <laughs> so that so that actually means that the news of the explosion, which happened the night prior, got into the morning edition of this paper. It's got to be at least a couple hundred miles away. Yeah. 
that, oh. that's that is a pretty fast. That's actually pretty curve. impressive for that time. Because I mean, that's, and I don't, man, I don't even know if this is an expression anymore. That whole stop the presses thing. Because like, if big news happened while like a newspaper was getting, yeah, they would literally up. halt it and reprint yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's like, wow, if that happened. Like, let's say like having like eight or nine at night for it to be ready for the next morning's delivery. Like, that's insane. Right, because you start <laughs> printing, you start printing it like midnight or whatever for you know your people to pick up the papers at 4 30 to start running into their their drops yeah i don't yeah. know right i think you got our our tiktok clip <laughs> does anybody <laughs> under the age of 30 have you ever heard stop the presses right and i also this scene also kind of jolted me into the reality i hadn't realized that there was also the, the mansion yeah. yeah the mansion and the institute separate from the high school it's like oh wait so they all live at the mansion, then go to a different high school. Holy crap! Okay, right, because this is not the version that the school is a school. It is yeah. just where the gifted kids go. Yeah, which must be interesting conversation at school. <laughs> I mean, I guess you just don't invite them over, right? Or, but I mean, like, you, you know how kids were. Like, someone would figure out something. Some yeah. point, I, I, maybe that's what happens later in the series is they figure out like wait you all lived all like 13 of you lived together you know? <laughs> yeah when every moment. day the same group of kids is riding in together you start to yeah. put two and two together <laughs> and it's all owned by one one old bald guy we have questions <laughs> <laughs> and those questions are incredibly offensive because it was yeah. the 90s and the 2000s yeah so they get held up on their way out by Xavier who wants to introduce them to Kurt and Kurt is pretty hesitant to reveal himself. Mm-hmm. You can and, tell that he has some trauma about how people react to him. Yeah, and Xavier says something along the lines of like, you know, it's okay, we all have our gifts, but not everybody's gift is always an asset. And it's just like the the most like, cocks his eyebrow at Scott being like, <laughs> so we should talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, is now the time? We're, co- we're compounding too many activities at once, like me, the new kid, and then scolding me. But it was also like, I can't believe Xavier didn't give him shit last night. Right. Like, you waited until late. the next morning. So Scott's kind of like, did I get away with blowing up half the school? Right. That's hilarious. I did have a note here. I appreciated Scott saying something that actually made sense for once. Or at least it's not <laughs> that we're, Well, I saw so It's not our to, like, Scott. That's yeah, why, so, Rod. I'm, I'm so used to the other yeah, Cyclops. But he's like, come on, Professor. Like, I've got two bazookas behind these eyes. And I was like, that makes sense. Why would you send this child with, like, weapons of mass destruction attached to his head to, like, a public setting? You know, like, and then be just be upset with him for, like, losing his glasses if that's the only protection. <laughs> you know? But Xavier makes the point of, like, the whole reason you're here is you need to learn how to be more careful and have more control. So he got the life lesson. But then Xavier just kind of is like, all right, but you could also leave. And it's like, dude still did blow up the hot dog stand in part of his school. Right. And also presumably murdered at least you know, a dozen people that were sitting in the bleachers. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that Xavier does not acknowledge that he messed with the cop's mind though oh yeah i forgot he was actually there because xavier said how could i not know it was all over the news right so scott scott and gene don't know that he was actually there did he know no they didn't know he was there because he left to pick up the trip yeah okay like there's i don't want to say it's a sinister version of xavier because i i don't think it's that but it it is actually reminiscent of the comic book version of xavier that i've i've mentioned in the show previously where it's like he was more in the lines of gray versus on 92 where he's a little more black and white on the the side of angels you know yeah 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 but then they also kind of calm down and chill 
and reveal Kurt's abilities, which is teleporting. I think it's cool. I wonder if I was actually there, if that'd be cool, or if I would just like just shit myself. If it was a scenario where you didn't know that mutants were a thing, I think that's a reasonable response. Yeah. But this is the guy who has like the fucking laser blast coming out of his eyes next to the telepathic telekinetic, you know? I just wonder if they had seen like someone who'd be able to like dematerialize, you know? Like that seems like, like a step from like what they're used to so far. I don't know if I would say that dematerialization is that dramatic a difference from concussive <laughs> blasts out of somebody's eyes, but right. <laughs> agree. I, I I think this is probably the best use of this phrase that I've heard in a long time. I think this is an actual agree to disagree scenario. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, world that we don't know because it doesn't exist. <laughs> well, aside from that, but it's also like, oh no, it's two very different, very logical perspectives. Oh yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> yeah, most of the agree to disagree shit one side yeah, is not logical we jump over to the principal's office which when you saw the character did you have any thoughts as to who it might be or anything or did you think it was just a generic principal from a high school show kind of scenario because of the way she was animated i just assumed she was a villain because the especially in the 90s they had this way of i know this is a 2000 show but i'm presuming that the production was done in the 90s because it came out in 2000 i mean that at the very least if this was going off in in november something started yeah. The previous year, yeah. And so they just have this way of animating or drawing villains. Because she she had this very, like, it was like a Bayonetta kind of look, you know? I was going to say <laughs> angular, but Bayonetta is yeah. actually a very fitting description like, for like it, too. Like, villain, I didn't quite get exactly yet. The thing that really stood out to me in this scene, though, was I was like, their Toad soundtrack throughout the show so far has been 90s hip-hop, which I thought was an interesting choice for him. And it kind of fits, because... Some like the X-Men stuff have this like cool like rock thing going on. He's got this very like doesn't give a fuck. Right. He also <laughs> always has like a little bit of that wise guy accent too. Yeah. Like yeah. he's he's always like accent. I don't know if I would call it New York accent, but it it very much feels like like a person impersonating a gangster kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he's just like, what's it to you? You know that kind of. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and like has that like little bit of like a drawl or a slur to some of the stuff that he says so yeah, yeah. even in this scene i wasn't completely sure because my note here actually says oh the principal's the demon we find out more than that but <laughs> right the scene goes and the principal wants to talk about scott mentions the powers mentions wanting to know more and toad is kind of as expected like i don't i don't know like I, why would i care about this this guy what what's it to you kind of scenario yeah. And then we see the principal transforms into what I refer to as a monster cat thing. <laughs> and then you get the the fake out cuts commercial of the mouth like attacking. Yeah, getting ready to eat him or something. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, got it. It's Mystique. Yeah. yeah. So when she started transforming, I was like, oh, it's Mystique. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's something else. Well, because it kind of had a little bit of like a like a shadow king or like a, a brood vibe to the design. But I was like, oh, transformation has got to be Mystique. Yeah, yeah. It's still so funny to me that years later, Mystique would start to become more of like an anti-hero character. Whereas in the 2000 like era, she was just a straight up villain. Like there was not, <laughs> there were not really the shades of gray to Mystique as they are now. Yeah, totally. We see Kurt is brought into his room and he gets like this really dope, boarding room that has like a really nice like stereo setup and stuff like that i was like okay cool the tuition for this school must take care of the layout right. to the room because he does not have that where he's from at home it sounds like yeah yeah he was very impressed by it and i had two questions about this scene not necessarily for you but just in general 
And one of them is just like a may, probably just like a logistical oversight. The other one is kind of like an in-universe thing that we'll probably both have to keep tabs on since none, but neither of us are familiar with the show. The first one is now I'm confused about the timeline because if this was overnight, did they just stay out all night and talking, and he was just now introduced to his bedroom? <laughs> and, 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 nope, that's that's a that's a logistical <laughs> oversight. I would agree with you there. And then the second thing is Kurt mentions that his parents sent him here, and I was like. Who are his parents? Because because in in the show that I know, it, he was just raised by a bunch of monks. You know? Well, remember he was with the circus family the circus before family. the monks. So I guess we're assuming it's a circus family. Though. Yeah, I would I would say okay. because we don't know if they're going to carry on the story with his lineage like X Men ninety two did. At the very least, I would say this is likely that circus family that he he learned yeah. how to do stuff from. Yeah, and he's not religious yet at least we haven't seen him say anything out we're like not as much as other kurt i mean yeah 92 kurt is like Like full-fledged first (laughs) yeah i guess he he had that hood thing so besides hiding that's where he got it from (laughs) the solid spot they they sent him there they couldn't expel the demons and they're like time to go to the united states (laughs) yeah (laughs) will we send the demons (laughs) yeah you're going to new york (laughs) used used to be australia then it became the united (laughs) states (laughs) So Xavier has two gifts for him. The first one is a watch that he puts on and it basically gives him a human appearance. So he becomes a skin. (laughs) Quick note on that one in the comics, the image inducer that would get used by Kurt at one point was actually created by Tony Stark. Oh, nice. Yes. Okay. So a ghost Tony is kind of in headcanon out there (laughs) or or xavier just you know was able to do it i don't know how much if any this show crosses over with other marvel properties because we we know that x-men 92 is a part of the same shared universe as spider-man 94 the fantastic four show the iron man show all those shows from that mid-90s era those were all a loosely connected universe whereas this I don't know if it actually crosses over with anything else, so I guess we'll yeah. find out on that. Yeah. It, so I okay. That was another thing I was wondering is like, it had, was this device just made for the show, or if it was from something else? According to one of the fandom wikis, that it was a it was a device similar in the comics that was created by Stark Industries. Because like this device, like otherwise, Nightcrawler just can't be in the show because all the kids are at high school, <laughs> right? So I was like, oh, at the very least, this was a device so that he can like attend school with everybody else. And then he opens a second box and you see it already has an X uniform for him. Mm-hmm. So he got inducted pretty quickly. <laughs> Back at the regular school, we see Scott is, you know, trying to head over to lunch. Toad comes up to him. And when, you know, the coast is clear, Toad shows off his jumping skills. And again, I think to your point earlier of like the animation, it's like really smooth and fluid. And there was something about like, that era of increased budget of animation that I think it just looked pretty like it, like yeah. it, it, it really hit that amphibian style of movement and such. So yeah, that, that also shows that anybody that has like longer hair, like I think there was like in the intro with rogue, like the way her hair waves and stuff like that is a higher frame rate. Oh, it was, it was really actually good. animated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, toad is basically being like, you know, we got something in common he grabs Cyclops' glasses and Cyclops obviously is covering his eyes because he doesn't want to blast a hole through, you know, <laughs> a tank or a pipe in the wall probably and blow up more people in the school and murder them all. <laughs> and Toad is basically being like, yeah, we should hang out. And Scott is not feeling it. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll think about it. And meanwhile, like, Toad is like drooling all over his glasses. Yeah. It's so gross. <laughs> 
So at least we know that it is not a toxic drool. Otherwise, Scott will be having a whole other set of problems. Right. <laughs> so it's like a drug dealer selling his saliva, like a hallucinogenic to those dudes. <laughs> he lets it harden into a resin and then people snort it. There you go. God, we have the worst headcanons. Alarm goes off at the museum, and Xavier points out that somebody is using their powers out in the open, and this is the first time we we see Cerebro in action. And then I love this joke because it only works in a show in this era and does not work today. I was going to say, yeah. Go for it, go for it. So, oh, yeah, so Scott calls Xavier, and Xavier picks up. He's like, hello, Scott. And he's like, I hate it when you do that. <laughs> I was like, oh, right. Caller ID was like a very rare thing. Yeah, it was it was pretty nascent at that point. Like even yeah. even getting calls on your cell phone, like you just knew it was a call. You didn't have somebody's name show up on it. And that was just like built in. And I, I've started seeing stuff where it actually just shows the name, even if it's not in your contacts. Yeah. Like it's whoever's registered to it. Yeah. Or it'll say maybe. That's always my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Xavier's like, yep, want to talk to you about one of the students that's near you. Scott's phrasing was interesting where it was just like, I don't necessarily think I would want to share a room with him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, how do I put this nicely? Yeah. Like he's he's trying not to be a dick, but in essence ends up sounding like a bigger dick for it. Yeah. And Xavier says, you know, we can't turn our backs on him. He just basically is like, mm, keep an eye out. He's not looking for Scott to go into like full recruitment mode, essentially. Mm-hmm. Just kind of verify like he's he's more than a gross kid. Right. He's, <laughs> he's a gross kid with drug saliva. Yeah. <laughs> We see Nightcrawler is asking about Cerebro, and we get the very standard Cerebro information dump just to get it out of the way. And I, I feel like that's one of those things where, you know, kind of similar to Spider-Man's origin or Batman's parents getting killed. It's the same in every story. So all you have to do is just give, like, the three-second version of it, and people are like, oh, okay, cool, I get it. Hey, it's like Batman's parents and Lego Batman. He just points at a picture. He's like, that thing happened. Okay. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> Exactly. Xavier puts out the call to Storm, who is in what looks like a greenhouse. It was something, yeah. But also kind of reminiscent of her attic room that was in X-Men 92, where it had like lots of plants and stuff like that. And basically says, you know, need to have you run an audition, I believe was the exact phrasing on it. Yeah. And also, once again, Storm's voice actor was perfectly fine. I'm just so not used to that voice. So it just sounds a little left to center to me. It's just... Also not as dramatic because we talked about, even on our most recent episode with the Lee Waltz, you know, you had literal Shakespearean actors doing the voices of the 92 cast. And even though we had multiple storms and that all of them were just dramatic and verbose with their reads. So and and this storm's dialogue, like actual script dialogue was far less condescending. I mean, to be fair, our batches that we're recording these in, we're only doing two. So we haven't gotten a lot of Storm yeah, yet. A lot. Yeah, but in the first episode of 92, she was like, he's like, all of us are weirdos, Jubilee. <laughs> she also thought that Nightcrawler was a white kid. So he technically was. He said, well, he was still a German guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> so it cuts to night. Toad shows up at the mansion, hops over the fence. Storm goes to the door and we see her fly and then we start to see like lightning and the clouds form and then just start shooting lightning bolts at toad i had nightmares of halle berry's awful dialogue at this moment ironically (laughs) one of the wikis from fandom said that the toad being blasted by the lightning was a reference to that scene from the movie i don't know how true that is but that's what the fandom says yeah because the movie came out this year too right and i think that came out during the summer 
I feel like that's a lot to try to get in there for. Yeah. Yeah. It, if if that's the case, then it means someone from way higher up communicated shit made that made a bad decision be like this is very important to put in both things i don't know if i believe that <laughs> or it just I, maybe there's something else that was in like the 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 collective consciousness that thought that this is a good idea to have storm like blast toad with lightning or marvel is just freaking out because they are so going out of business and bankrupt at that point that they're just right. like they're like synergy do this do this do this yeah. well we'll find out hopefully in the future so toad gets to the door and sees Nightcrawler, and then the way I phrase it is they basically have an accidental fight. They don't go there looking to fight, but just end up wrestling each other, basically. Yeah, because Nightcrawler's kind of defending the mansion a little bit, right? Because yep. broke in. And, stuff. and I actually, I really like their back and forth in this because it really, I don't know this is weird to say, but it felt like a genuine argument between two teenagers. Right. Because I feel like there's a lot of these shows, even when they're done well, it's like, oh, this is clearly written from like a screenplay point of view mm-hmm. by like adults or whatever. And this was still that. But their back and forth really seemed like a couple, of, you know, kids in high school. They were just like, screw you. No, screw you, man. Like your breath stinks. Like, yeah, it was like, it was a lot of posturing, too. Like they're yeah. like they're going at each other, but, you know, they're not going for kill hits kind of thing yeah. because they're there's like, a- we're, we're just dumb kids. And they're just being like mean to each other. Right. I think that's what I took away from it is like when they were like throwing stuff, yelling at each other, they were just being mean. It wasn't like, yeah, I don't know. It was just, it, it, was, was it wasn't hatred. It was just, I need to say something so you don't think I'm a wimp. So I'm going to go for like low hanging fruit. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then they like, they're hopping through the hallways and stuff like that. And they totally demolish one hallway with like artwork and sculptures and shit like that. And then we actually got a little bit of a Disney reference years before the Disney acquisition. He called him Little Blue Wookie Boy. Oh, I missed the Wookie thing. Yeah, when he called him that, it, unless I heard it wrong, I'm pretty yeah. sure it said Little Blue Wookie Boy. I mean, that makes sense because that was when the prequels were coming back out. So yeah, timeline wise, it was it was relevant again. Yeah, and they actually confirm, you know, that he does have an X gene. So that's you know, and <laughs> I love it. it. Took all that. They're like, yep, yep, yep. Sky's blue. Yep. I love that they try to zap him with lightning before confirming he has an X gene, too. The storm is just like, I'm just going to murder this high school kid. I mean, to stand your ground work with lightning bolts, I, I'm not sure what the laws are on that. And again, this is before the public really seems to know what a mutant is. So there probably isn't the you know Mutant Registration Act to worry about just yet. But Xavier stops the test, invites Toad to join, and then the fight continues, and they drop through the floor right into the danger room. I love that we're seeing like an early Xavier who doesn't know how kids work. Right, and because the Xavier like, we had in 92 only had Jubilee as a teenager. Like, all the rest yeah. of them had grown out of the bullshit. But yeah. this is like, oh, they're all in the shit. So even if yeah. Storm is an adult, it's you, Storm, and a bunch of, like, lunatic teenagers. Yeah, Toad and Nightcrawler are fighting. And he's like, okay, test is over. You can wrap it up, guys. When does that, that ever worked on any teenage boys that have been fighting? <laughs> it's kind of like when you see the, like, the fights that get posted on, like, Instagram reels, and somebody yeah. sprays them with, like, water to try to get them to stop. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like they're cats or something. Yeah. <laughs> But it wouldn't be an introduction to an X-Men show if there wasn't an accidental getting trapped in the danger room scene. Right. This one was... I have questions about how this worked because they drop into the danger room and then Scott's like, oh no, they're in the danger room. And I it's either Scott or Gene that was like, self-defense mechanism is on. It's like... Auto- automated defenses, yeah. For 
For what? Well, for what? Like it, the dumbest robbers ever are the ones who break I, into the danger room. Apparently, I, so I was like, are are they storing gold in the danger room? <laughs> like what? I don't know, but it is not happy. And I love you actually see them suiting up too. Yeah, like Scott is literally pulling on his boots and like strapping them and shit like that. So maybe that was a lost in translation kind of thing where like they were getting ready to go into the danger room and they had like armed it. So maybe the whole self arming thing wasn't that it's just sitting there waiting for someone to go in and kill it. It's just that they had set it up for them to do something. Or they could have been (laughs) making out behind like a corner of the room and they were getting dressed up again (laughs) or because they literally had somebody invading the mansion. They could be like, oh, we were in training, we got out of training, and now we have to go get changed. So he was already like suiting up for an actual practice or something. Yeah. You know? Who knows? That makes sense. But regardless, I, 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 yeah. I also appreciated how more practical this danger room seemed to be because in the ones we, the one we had seen in the nine two series, it was mostly just like holograms, and we just expected magic to work. This one was like, oh, there's like robots and shit coming out of the walls. This was very reminiscent of the original comic version of the danger room with just like various shit popping out of the walls trying to murder you yeah and like the toy that we used to be for the wolverine action figure right where it was like the thing coming out of the wall and then as you'll see when we watch it the pride of the x-men was a little bit more on that side although it combined the two it was like mm-hmm. practical stuff and yep. then magic holograms <laughs> i do love that they get into the control room and they put in an override and there's still a five second shutdown for the override You're right and that it looked like xavier might have been the only one that could override it or at the very least, other people would have needed to say a certain code or Different something code, like that. Yeah. But yeah, that room was really just set up to murder people. <laughs> right? It always is. I think that's another thing. Like the Cerebro explanation. Mm-hmm. And people have to die in the danger room. Right. <laughs> Anytime we reboot the X-Men. <laughs> yeah. And then Nightcrawler thinks he kind of like has it figured out. And he's like, oh, it's this is just a training room. I'm going to unplug it. And then it just gets more murderous. Which is actually pretty on par for Y2K technology. You know, like when you... when you. Oh, yeah, that's when my toaster tried to fucking kill me, Rod. Yeah. If something was already, like, automated, just unhooking it from its data source wouldn't necessarily disarm it. It right. would just make it more unstable, you know? So. <laughs> yep. But lucky for Nightcrawler, Storm does pop in. She makes the save. And Toad is like, fuck this and gets out of there. Right. Which appropriate response. Right. And they're like, yep, I guess he wasn't ready to to be one of us. And Nightcrawler is really down on himself. Like, I, I don't think we did a great job of explaining it earlier, but this entire episode, Nightcrawler is very down on himself. And the, Scott's like, okay, well, I need to follow him because I don't want him to leave. Cut back to the upstairs and Toad jumps out the window, like just super clumsily. Which is kind of the toad I know. Ray Park is good at so many things. He was not a goofy, awkward toad. Like, that's a part of toad as a character that I've always loved in the comic book version of him is kind of like sad sack, kind of awkward. Ray Park was too cool to be toad. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. But Wolverine is like, cool, guess I have to kill this thing. Yeah, (laughs) he just shows up. He's like... I saw the news. Yep. This must be what's happening. Xavier's like, no, no, let him go. The big difference with this version of Wolverine compared to 92 is there's that instant respect from Wolverine that he literally just moves to the side and puts his arm out for toe. There is not a like hesitation. Are you sure? 
whatever. It's just like, okay, there's like a, sh- a shrug and then listens to Xavier. I'm kind of wondering though, when, once we get to like the third or fourth season, if the, enough break-ins have happened where we're just like, come on, dude, we're gonna kill something. Just <laughs> just start stabbing delivery men and such. Right. <laughs> Nightcrawler finds himself in the hangar and that's where, you know, they start talking about the, the Blackbird. And I did like how they said, you know, it's got three times the armament of the SR-71, which the only reason that one ever stands out to me is because of the band SR-71. I was say the band name. <laughs> yeah, but IMDB has said that the actual SR-71 has no armaments on it. Oh, so yeah. is that still true? I think it's just a supersonic plane that doesn't... I don't know if three times zero is more than... Regardless, Scott invites him to the team. Nightcrawler is shocked by it. And Scott says, yeah, we, we all mess up it happens and he's like well i almost had you killed and scott's like yeah please don't do that again again (laughs) jump over to the high school the next morning the principal is yelling at toad for running away and then the principal actually points out he probably mind wipe you so you don't remember any of it so i didn't even think about that until that moment regardless of if he got mind wiped or not this xavier it isn't his first time messing with people's heads even if he didn't mind wipe toad he has done it in the episode and it's known that he can do something like that and probably to young people because that's who he's all what he's auditioning right for the mansion <laughs> and that's where we get a mystique reveal toad is you know out of the the room when they were zooming in on the school when the yelling was happening the bikes started shaking outside oh i didn't notice that yeah it was it was subtle because it was also lining up with her yelling. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that's a little dramatic that her right. shrieking is that bad. But this is where I had written down like, oh, the demon was Mystique. Right. So we get the full Mystique reveal with her very angular face. Kind of reminds me of almost as dramatic as Hades from Hercules. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. Uh, the shaking continues. You know, we hear a voice. Did you know it was going to be Magneto or did you think it was going to be Apocalypse? I don't know how, but... I maybe thought it was going to be Apocalypse for a split second. Right. But whoever did this voice, my note actually here was like, ooh, Magneto actually has a really cool voice. Mm -hmm. And just, I don't know. They did a good job of being like, like once I got past like the third word, I was like, oh, this is Magneto. And I don't know how I inferred that, but it felt like it. Yeah, for me, it was literally not until the image, because the phrasing could have all still been Apocalypse to me at that point. Okay, I guess to me, it solidified once I saw the paperclip start flying. Right, right, like, totally. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, this is Magneto. But yeah, th- but then the face was a little weird. I guess we'll see him later on. Right. And it was just a reflection or whatever, but I was like, it was barely like slim and like stretched out. Yeah, it was kind of similar to the covers that the Age of Apocalypse artist did, where mm-hmm. everybody was just a little more of that angular style and, and stuff like that. I'm not sure what the, the technical term, but it's, it's almost like a little bit of the Mike Mignola, the guy who did Hellboy, where people oh, are just yeah. out of proportion they still look yeah. like themselves, but the proportions are different than a anatomically correct person would be. Yeah, I guess it's kind of almost in a way like an Americanized version of like anime or something. Right, like which which at that time makes sense. Yeah. Because that's it's when like we were really starting as a country. Geekdom was embracing anime at a... Right. Was, there was a block of anime that would play on Cartoon Network at night. Toonami or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, like that's when like I, and this wasn't anime, but like when like Samurai Jack and stuff. Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of that that style. Yeah, where it's like more of you're getting the vibe than realism. And then we get the quote to end the episode, which props to them, very similar to '92. 
it ends on like a dark moment and not everything is just like hugs and puppies and stuff. Yeah. It's only the beginning. So I, I, you know, I don't think it was necessarily a perfect episode, but coming into this cold, it was more satisfying than I thought it'd be from the point of like, I just thought I, I love the 92 show so much that I wasn't really going to be interested in this right. series. It was actually really fun. And even though I actually hated high school when I was in it, I'm old enough now that my nostalgia only remembers the stuff that I do miss about the 90s in high school. Mm-hmm. And this reminded me of those parts, like hanging out under the bleachers during a football game and like getting when you were stealing stuff. people's wallets out of their right. pocket yeah. and such. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you but, when you well, blew up the hot dog stand. Right. No, for me, it was like we were doing we were we were doing everything but watching the football game. And I was like, I appreciate that that's still like represented virtually like very few people. Well, only a small, per, not only a percentage. I'm going to say small, a percentage of people cared about the actual football game. And there was maybe an equal amount of people like me who were just there to hang with friends because it was one of the few times we like not be around our parents. Yeah, you get away kids. from your parents and you have the freedom to just be around kids. But you're not in a classroom and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So. And it was kind of exciting because we could like sneak away for a bonfire or right. something or, or blow up a hot dog stand. Or, yeah. <laughs> so many hot dog stands were blown up in the 2000s. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think to your point, I went into this, aside from hearing lots of positive things from friends of ours who were in the geek space and stuff like that, that said, oh, you've never seen this before. I think you're going to really enjoy it. It reminded me of my favorite parts of certain shows. It has Buffy vibes to it. It has can't hardly wait vibes to it. And yeah, there's like obviously going to be tension between some of the characters, but it's not like American Pie where it's everybody's just trying to fuck. It yeah. actually <laughs> felt like, oh, the dude has a crush on this girl and it's awkward. It's not awkward because he's solely thinking about trying to have sex with her. So yeah, yeah. Any closing thoughts, Rod, before we wrap up this first episode of X-Men Evolution? Just not that I wasn't looking forward to anything. I know you're just sick of recording but- podcasts with me. That's the major okay, issue. Yeah. No, no, like with the with this show specifically, I you know wasn't sure. I wasn't like expecting one way or another. But now I'm like actually kind of interested in seeing what's going to happen right. with the characters and stuff. Like I'm kind of invested in like the story now, and I didn't know if I would be before yep. starting it. Thank you all for joining us. If you're just joining for the first time, you should have a full backlog of 68 episodes of <laughs> X Men '92 that you could also listen to. The final episode, Graduation Day, had the guests Eric and Julia Leewald who were the story director, which is the modern-day equivalent of a showrunner, along with one of the staff writers, Julia, Eric's wife. And yeah, that was awesome, and I still can't believe we had them on an episode of our weird, dumb, stupid show. If you have any thoughts on this episode, make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload, the official Instagram post, or the TikTok, which Rod has to clear a few TikToks up this week. And if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Rod, we're on to a new show. Yeah, right. (laughs) Let's see what happens in this teen drama. Crushed it. Crushed it.